Dotnet Rocks, episode 1059, with guest Michael Van Sickle. Recorded Friday, October 31st, 2014. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And uh, here we are again. Uh, dude. Dude. I got a story for you. I love it. Tell me. So I've been working with these guys in the App V Next team. Yeah. Doing some IoT stuff. And we're working on, we decided to collaborate on a project, basically. To It's an IoT project. Can't really tell you what it is. Okay. You might hear about it soon. Yep. But uh, one of the guys was like, let me do the Azure stuff, the, the web API part of it. So um, he, had a, he had not done web API yet. Did tons of MVC, but had never done it in a web API. Okay. So I set him up with this thing uh, called attribute-based routing. And this is basically new in 2.0. And it's something we haven't really talked about on the show, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Although I don't remember if we did or not which is almost embarrassing to say. But uh, it's, it's a, and this is my better know framework. So we basically got this thing running in six hours. Nice. From the gadgeteer-based device that was collecting data, sending it up on a, on a timer, and uh, uploading it through Web API. He did all the entity framework stuff to SQL Azure. And then we put a, a, a dashboard together. So these two things is what I'm going to talk about on Better Know Framework. So we might as well just roll the music. Excellent. All right. Tell me all about it. All right. So attribute-based routing, if you go to tinyurl.com slash webapiroutatter, A-T-T-R, then you'll read all about this, and if you've done been doing Web API this year uh, or last year, you probably know about this already. But you know the routing sucks. Just the the basic routing mapping, it, it's difficult to figure out. It, it, it's order dependent. Uh, it, it's just kind of hard. And this is where I've always struggled in Web right. API. But it turns out you can turn all that off in the register routes method in your route config class, which is where you do all the configuration. You just say routes.mapmvc attribute routes. And then when you want to, when you have in a controller, you have a method and you can just put an attribute right above it with the mapping syntax for that method. And it's not order dependent and you have all sorts of great options. So this is an article uh, written in May 2014 at tinyurl.com slash web API route atter that uh, it's got a, quite a few uh, 12 five-star votes just in terms of the way that uh, this guy explained it. And um, it's a great explanation. It's very thorough. And it's so easy compared to the default routing, the way that you do routing without it. So we did that. And then we used this board called DucksBoard. So go to DucksBoard.com. This is like a dashboard app where you can create your own dashboard based on a whole bunch of feeds from different places, or you can use your own feed. And that's what we did. We pointed this to our own web API and uh, pulled back data in real time uh, from it. And you can show maps, you can show graphs, you can do all sorts of great stuff. Very, very cool. Ducksboard.com. And I see they just got acquired by New Relic. Yeah. Which is cool. So that's what I did the other night. That's cool. It was up till three in the morning hacking on this thing, but it, we got it working basically six hours. It was great. That's awesome. Yeah. So there you go. So you got the attribute routing and you got ducksboard.com. Cool. Take your pick. Two good finds. Two good finds. Who's talking to us, Richard? Grabbed a comment off of show 1050, the one we did with the fine Miguel Castro. Oh, yeah. We were talking about MVVM on the web. And uh, right at the top of the list, Roll Van Lisdunk has a comment. Don't take this the wrong way, but this is what he said. Okay. I screamed, yes, 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 in my car. <laughs> when listening to the show on my ride to work, Miguel is so right on so many aspects. And he'll be the first to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, Angular is a great framework, and I love it, but I don't get all religious about it, and I use it when and where appropriate. 
As you should. Number two, yesterday's techniques can still be the right tool for the job. Yep. Number three, you can mix yesterday's and today's techniques to deliver a solution that has the benefits of both worlds. Yes, you can. And number four, a real spa is not always the best way or the answer to everything, because that's 42. That 42 is the answer to everything. There you go. And Carl and Richard, how do you get these open-minded people on your shows? Okay, let's think about Miguel Castro's open-minded for a minute. That's, that's <laughs> a good one. actually think about that for a minute. Uh, when it comes to technology, he actually let's just is. just sit there. I know, I'm just going to chew on this for a little while. <laughs> Give me a minute. Okay, yeah. Are you done All yet? Right. Okay. Okay. Do you have a magic stone where these people live under? Now, definitely Miguel Castro lives under a rock. That's true. I have no doubt about that. <laughs> He's under a bus now. He's under something, yeah. <laughs> Needless to say, great job, guys, again and again. And I know Miguel's going to listen to this. I love you, man. Even if you do live under a rock, you open-minded Cuban fool. Roll, you made my friend laugh. What can I tell you? Thanks so much for your comment. And I agree with pretty much everything you said, you know, and I agree yeah. with what Miguel said, too. Yeah. But they, you know, there are more than one way to get things done. In fact, we're going to do a whole show about that today. Mm-hmm. So a .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or on any of our mobile apps. We've got them for iOS, Android, Windows Phone 7 and 8, and Windows 8. And with that, let me introduce Michael Van Sickle. He is an application architect for Sterling Jewelers in Akron, Ohio. He started his career as a mechanical engineer in the automotive industry before changing to software engineering. Mike is passionate about learning new programming languages and is comfortable working in JavaScript, C-sharp, Java, PHP, and F-sharp. Recently, he's been accepted as an author for Pluralsight, where he hopes to help others learn about the Dojo Toolkit and other open-source technologies. When he's not writing code, Mike loves to go camping and take long walks with his wife and two girls. Aw, that's so nice. Welcome, Mike. How you doing, Carl? Hey, Richard. Hi there. Just fine. You've been listening to the show a long time, I guess. You were oh, saying yeah. before the, yeah. I tell you what, actually, it's it's kind of a dream come true. Year, years ago, when I switched over from uh, mechanical engineering to software engineering, uh-huh. two things led the way. One was this weird new online training thing called Pluralsight, and this other, these two guys, you kept talking about this .NET thing called uh, .NET Rocks. And <laughs> now I'm a Pluralsight author, and I'm talking to you guys, so it's it's kind of cool. The wow, last full year circle. has been pretty awesome. Yeah, exactly. That is amazing. I'm just trying to give back. Awesome. I love it. Well, that's great. Uh, and so, Dojo Toolkit, this is what we're here to talk about today. Tell us about this thing. Yeah, well, uh, Dojo's been around for a little while. Uh, did some research, and uh, it hit version 1.0 back, way back in 2007. Oh, boy. Which, uh, yeah, in JavaScript years, I didn't even know there was a JavaScript back then. Mm. Um, but uh, they uh, they released the framework. It was envisioned as a full stack framework, so it's not just trying to solve one thing well. They're trying to solve a whole family of problems, um, which isn't necessarily what uh, modern JavaScript frameworks are trying to do, but uh, gives us a lot of advantages when uh, we look at it, certainly compared to jQuery, which was kind of around that time frame. That was the other option. You had some other uh, full stack frameworks that were out there, but uh, yeah, it, in for enterprise development, like what I do, Dojo has a lot of advantages and a lot of things going for it. So would you put it in the same category as jQuery then in terms of what it does for you? Just sort of simplifying access to JavaScript? Well, it, it's funny. In my, in my Pluralsight course I'm working on, we're talking about, I'm talking about this right now. So what I would say is Dojo can really do what you're, whatever you ask it to do. Uh, so if you want to use yeah. um, Dojo like a jQuery, uh, like in a lot of roles that jQuery has, so if you're going to decorate a server-rendered application and you want to add some form validation, you want to add some animations, things like that, the way that you know jQuery used to be used way back when, Dojo can do that. If you want to start getting some rich um, UI controls in there, like uh, the jQuery UI framework or... Um, it, some things you see in like the foundation or or uh, bootstrap CSS frameworks, then it's got that that it can be uh, it can serve that role as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it can also go all the way if you want to get to a single page application. I can't say it's necessarily as pretty as what Angular is doing right now, mm-hmm. um, but it can certainly serve the role adequately. And the fact that any dojo that you wrote back in two thousand seven when they uh, released version one 
still works today. If you're in the enterprise, that has a huge value that we have to consider, especially, you know, we hear all the buzz that's going around with Angular 2 releasing a little bit of stuff. Um, so there's a lot of uncertainty in, in those cutting edge frameworks and mm. Dojo's just plowing along and just making things better for us. So they talk about having this AMD loader. What is that? Is that their sort of uh, plug-in architecture? Uh, the AMD loader is very similar to uh, if you've ever used or heard of Require.js. Um, mm. Those are the two big frameworks that have implemented the, uh, the AMD API. And basically, it's a way for modules to be loaded dynamically uh, into the environment so you don't have to declare a whole big list of dependencies um, in your main load file. Like in, in Angular, in straight Angular, you have to have all of the uh, JavaScript files declared on the page. Mm. The AMD loader lets you pull those in as you need those. So if one page needs uh, a module and another one doesn't, then it never gets loaded. Well, that's nice. And apparently, there's a lot of these modules. Oh, yeah. there's. I don't remember the number. I think that the source build, this isn't modules, this is all the files in the source build. Yeah. There's around 11,000 files, and so and there's hundreds of modules out there that, that do j different jobs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this thing's got some legs on it. I mean, 2007, that predates HTML5. Yeah. Oh, by a long time, right? So that's one of the challenges that you get into when you really want to what I tell people, uh, actually, um, we were interviewing a consultant, and we were asking him, okay, what's your JavaScript uh, background? And he said, well, I know jQuery. I said, okay, if you're going to be a consultant, you need to learn Angular. You have to, right? Because if you're a consultant, you want to eat that night, you better get, you better get Angular in your toolkit because right. that's what people are doing. But Angular is trying to solve a different problem. Angular is trying to say, what, is, what should the web be tomorrow? So that framework is making decisions about how do we want the web to shape, to be shaped and to advance and to push forward. And if they have to make a decision that, you know what, backwards compatibility is going to have to be sacrificed in order to, to find that future web, they'll do it. And that's the right job for Angular. So if I'm, if I'm building a short-lived website, you know, if, if I'm building a website that I know I'm going to do a facelift in 12 months, Angular is a perfect choice. In the enterprise, if I'm building an intranet application that's going to be for my uh, my program managers to file expense reports, right. I guarantee you that application is going to be running almost the same code in seven years. Yeah, that's fair. So now I've got the problem. If I've got the 2020 problem and not hindsight, I've got six years down the line, the code that I write, I have to be able to train that new guy. Right. So what what's Angular going to be up to? Angular 5, Angular 12. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and again, I, I don't want to I, I love Angular. I love working in it. But as an enterprise, that's a that's a strong concern. Imagine that every version of .NET that rolls out, you can't r upgrade because now, oh, sorry, we broke backward compatibility. Right. So that's that's really if I had to name one thing that really drives there's a there's other things we can talk about about but the primary thing was that commitment to enterprise you're writing for the maintainers you're not writing for the original developers you're not writing even necessarily to solve the core business problem you have to do that but it's those maintainers that have got to live with that code that you write and i'm i'm mean, kind of impressed that in 2014 seeing how 1.0 came out in 2007 we're only at 1.1 1 .1. well it's actually 1.10 oh, uh, so there okay yeah, uh, so they just released, I think, uh, recently they just came out with a, a, another uh, sub-index sub to that. But, uh, and that's something else. The, the, it's a measured approach. You don't, have, you don't have a huge community behind growing Dojo, which right. is a bad thing. So you don't get the, that energy that like a jQuery had and, and uh, certainly Angular is enjoying right now. Mm. But what you get is you get a measured growth. So uh, Dojo will add new features. As a matter of fact, last year they they had a uh, an integrated test runner for uh, JavaScript unit testing uh, back in 2007 when they first released uh, called the Dojo Objective Harness, um, called Do, which I think may be a Simpsons thing. I'm not sure. Do. <laughs> <laughs> it goes back um, to Skipper on Gilligan's Island, actually. That's yeah, right. Oh, there you go. Do. Um, so. Uh, but last year, uh, one of the core contributors, a company called SitePen, released a new testing framework called Intern. 
Now, this is not so, okay, you think Dojo 2007, anybody who's used Dojo in the past, it had the reputation for being a little sluggish, a little bloated, oh my goodness, I'm not going to use this. Well, when you go into intern, you see that now we've got a test runner that completely integrates with cloud-based testing environments, has uh, support for asynchronous tests, for testing asynchronous code, It's and all these modern features that you expect from like a Jasmine or something like that, one of these modern test runners, and there it is, and it, it's a first-class citizen in mm -hmm. the Dojo community. So the, it, it, they honor the backward compatibility that matters, that makes sense to them, but at the same time, they're not letting that hold them back when they can. There are certainly some things that they can't change because of the, um, they commit to still supporting IE6 for those three people that still have to support <laughs> applications on that. Yeah. Um, but if you look at a button control in Dojo, it will make you cry because it is not something, it's not a button. <laughs> um, because they have to support, they want to give a common experience across all these different browsers from old to new. So, I'm playing with the demos here. And they're pretty cool. The graphics demos in particular are impressive. Like the Bezier Curve Playground. <laughs> we we had a uh, we have a project that's on, ongoing right now. Um, one of the things we had to do is build an exec build a dashboard for our executives. Uh, mm. So that's a project that uh, a coworker is taking the lead on. And so you always have the problem of, okay, now we got to get all these charts and graphs and they've got it, you know, people want to interact with them. So how do we solve this problem? Yeah, you go to Dojo Charting and you're like, oh, so that's done. Yeah. And 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 since it all integrates, it's it's built in the Dojo ecosystem. So you know that there's a consistent set of quality standards that the team is, is maintaining. Mm -hmm. And I'm already in the Dojo ecosystem. So there's other components of the framework that they can use uh, like they've got client-side data stores, not not a persistence layer, but think in-memory databases. Right. Those can tie right into your charting libraries. So you manipulate the backing data store and your charts automatically update. So you get this kind of, this really dynamic, really nice uh, integration because it's all in one framework. And since it's been around for so long, a lot of the, a lot of the, I'll call it learnings that you're seeing in Angular, you know, reading about Angular 2 when they're they're addressing uh, the AMD loading issue and they're addressing uh, routing and things like that, that there may be some rough edges because Angular's new and Angular's energy is is still feeling its way forward. Dojo's been there, right? It's it's done that already. So they for them it's more, hey, we we've found that problem before, we fixed that problem, and so there it is. We'll release it for the rest of the community to discover when they run into the same issue. Nice. And what what do what do they have on the binding side or do they do that at all? Uh they do it, but it's um it's not going to be as magical as what you're going to see in Angular. Uh mm -hmm. so Angular and even Ember, uh a lot of these uh a lot of the real cutting edge JavaScript frameworks are very much into declarative markup, declarative bindings. Uh, Dojo will support that, but they won't do it necessarily to native controls uh, as elegantly as, as an Angular will. So Angular, you just put in your NG model and you're done, right? Um, the framework will wire it up for you. Dojo will do that if you're going to use Dojo widgets. Um, if you're going to actually use native controls, so if you want to do native styling, there's a couple extra steps that you're going to uh, have to do. And it'll the binding is really going to be managed on the JavaScript side. You're not going to have any uh, any magic helpers there that are going to make it work for you. Okay, so and you can obviously use the two together, though. Oh sure, yes. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, one of the core reasons for us to choose uh, Dojo was the digit widgeting library. So you have these rich UI controls. They all have a nice kind of standard look and feel. Which, again, if you're getting into, I'm building an expense reporting website, mm -hmm. I don't care what it looks like as long as it looks good, right? So it's the enterprise problem. It has to be usable. It has to be user-friendly, but it doesn't have to follow. You don't have a graphic designer coming up with those mocks, mm -hmm. with those mock-ups. But we are also, what we found, ironically, was our first applications were customer-facing. So um, some of our stores we're releasing applications that customers are going to see. Now, you do have a graphic designer involved. So we've actually, uh, in a lot of those applications, we're not using the widgeting framework at all, at least not the UI controls. We're using the, the underlying um, infrastructure components 
to provide us some life cycle support and some things that uh, uh, for managing when a control gets added to the page and some navigation helpers and things like that. Um, but we're not actually using the two-way data binding. And honestly, it's not for, for the problems that we're solving, we're not really seeing a huge cost. Mm -hmm. um, of course, we also use Java, so we're used to being beaten up and, and writing a lot of code. So maybe that's, <laughs> maybe that's it too. I don't know. And you mean Java or JavaScript? Uh, our backend is Java. Oh, so, okay. so we are enterprise down the line. So we're running Java on our servers. And uh, and this is actually, this is where Dojo has, has helped lead the way to kind of a revolution at Sterling. Um at my company, because what we've decided over time, we're delivering these applications right to the customer's hands because they're running on mobile tablets. Mm. It's actually thinned out our server side a lot. So a lot of the ceremony that we were running into and dealing with on the server side, because we aren't, you know, Java is a great language. It's got tremendous performance, but I think that uh, I don't think anybody could really argue that there are some language constructs that other languages that are, are are pushing out that are superior. Right. And so we've actually seen that our server side code has thinned out quite a bit and our uh, productivity has actually gone up because we've got this rich application framework on the client that can take the, that can uh, give the experience that we're looking for. Uh, should we get into features? I mean, I think that's what people want to hear. What can this thing do, right? Sure. Um, so Dojo comes in, um, I think when they were originally structuring the project, they kind of had Java in mind for how are we going to lay things out. So you see yeah. there are three basic areas. There's Dojo, Digit, and Dojo X. So Dojo is the core framework. You're not going to deal with a whole lot in the way of UI, visual visualization controls. Mm -hmm. But that's where you're going to see the backing data, uh, the backing data stores. You're going to see Ajax handlers, uh, event handlers, all the stuff that we expect from jQuery plus some other things uh, that the framework offers. That's really what, uh, what Dojo is going to bring to you. Uh, Digit is their UI framework. And that's D-I-J-I-T. D-I-J-I-T, yeah. So kind of Dojo widgets. Yeah. Um, and uh, so there you're going to see, uh, if you need to build a menu system, now you're not going to see a menu system on the web anymore. That's uh, That paradigm's kind of left. But certainly as a replacement for a thick client application on a, uh, in the enterprise, hey, menus matter, right? Menus are very valuable. So you get uh, full, rich menu systems. You get layout systems. So if, let's not necessarily talk about single-page applications, but think about single-screen applications. So if we're going to use the browser as a replacement for a desktop form type of application, mm. uh, then there are layout controls in there uh, for... If you're gonna, if you want a stacked grid, if you want uh, your controls that are going to be docked to the left, right, you want to recreate your Visual Basic app in a browser. <laughs> exactly right, and and that <laughs> you know it sounds so evil when you say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's hey, sort, of, sort of what the spa is all about, though. I yeah, mean, this is what the customer wants. They don't want to learn something new. They want the new UI, but on more devices. They want to simulate statefulness. Yeah. Right. And and this is like so many rich frameworks. You take it if you use it. it. You take it if you need it. You don't take it if you don't want it. So we have yet to build an application that actually uses those, those layout controls because we're delivering applications across a browser, right? So we're actually using Foundation, the Foundation CSS framework for its grid system and for a lot of its layout capabilities. So all of the layout stuff in Dojo, they're there. And I can certainly see um, if we start replacing some of our uh, legacy desktop applications, we'll probably pull them out. But so far, we're we're building mobile applications, and so we want them to look like mobile applications. Right. Um, so we haven't used those. But then, uh, continuing on, Digit offers uh, full form support, uh, form control support. So your buttons and your drop-down lists and autocomplete lists and uh, numerical text boxes. Keep in mind, we're supporting browsers that don't necessarily have HTML5 validation attributes. So they do have validation controls where you can declaratively put in the validation rules and now you get built-in validation. You don't nice. have to worry about that awesome. anymore. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, we're supporting uh, IE8 now. Um, so I don't know that how much that's really critical. But again, it's there for you. If you do have to support back to older ones, uh, then that's certainly an option for you. And then, like I said, that's going to go on. What I just like the whole idea here that we have a framework 
that is biased to compatibility rather than biased to innovation, you know, into the, what's cool and new. Because so much software these days is still keep stuff running. That's what matters. Right. And there, there's something... Uh- there's something else that uh, really personally – now, I've been giving you kind of the company line and why we thought it was a good decision for our company. But I can, de- I can also tell you something that personally really resonates with me in Dojo. If I think about how I like to build applications, I want a strong infrastructure to support my design decisions – but I want to be able to make design decisions based on the application that I'm building. I'm an architect, right? right? So I don't want something else to tell me how to architect my application. I want to be able to look at the business problem and say, well, this is really lending itself to an MVC type of application. Or this is really a decorated server page is what we're talking about here. Because all the work's done on the server. There's no reason to make anything uh, super heavy on the client. Right. Do- and Dojo lets you do that. So it's... It- it's not going to come in and say, well, here is a controller. Here's, here's your controller for your MVC-style application. It's going to give you modules. It's going to give you a routing component that you can use. It's going to give you ways to build controllers. But really, the design is whatever design you need and your team needs in order to meet their standards. Nice. So that lets us kind of come up with our own design language, our own uh, infrastructure, uh, to solve the problem, again, to optimize the solution to the problem that we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Know what time it is? Uh, must be that happy time again. Yeah, time to go out and apply wax on the car while the Sensei waxes off. Jeez. <laughs> oh, Help me. Help, I'm dying in buns. Oh, come on. It's <laughs> a good old reference. <laughs> it Actually, it's time to give away a Sync Fusion Essential Studio to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club, But before I tell you who won today, is your big data strategy causing you headaches? Ditch the complicated configuration and jargon, pump up your development with the only easy-to-use big data solution for Windows. The SyncFusion Big Data Platform installs quickly and is packed with samples to help you get up and running in 15 minutes or less. Check it out now at SyncFusion.com and get started with big data in under 15 minutes. And even if you aren't working with big data... You can take advantage of over 500 SyncFusion controls to help build stunning applications. Or you can broaden your skill set with the free ebooks SyncFusion offers on over 40 topics. Download free trials and free ebooks at SyncFusion.com. And uh, check out SyncFusion Essential Studio for Xamarin. New stuff. Cool. Yeah. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Thomas Hogard. Congratulations, Thomas. Golf yeah. clap for you, sir. Thomas just won the SyncFusion Essential Studio. That's a big pile of awesome from SyncFusion. And if you don't know what we're doing here, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. In every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away $5,000 worth of technology to one lucky member of the fan club. But you got to sign up to win. And uh, we'd like to ask our guests, Mike, if you had $5,000 to spend on technology today, what would you buy? Well, I've been thinking about this because I listen to your show all the time, and I think, well, what if I had to answer that question? So now's my big chance, right? (laughs) There you go. Um, I don't know. So (laughs) I've been hearing a lot of buzz about uh, what is the ideal development platform lately, and... uh, uh, Scott Hanselman got into a conversation where he was talking uh, about the Surface Pro 3. So I've been keeping my eye on that, and I was thinking if you build a development rig with a Surface Pro 3, the dock, nice keyboard, a couple of uh, a couple of big monitors, I think that would be my first part. Uh, I don't know. I think uh, I don't think that would be all of it though. That's a few thousand dollars. I think you can spend yeah, on I mean, that rig. Fully loaded, an i7 Surface Pro 3 is fourteen hundred bucks. Yeah. Yeah, bucks? that's with like a terabyte of storage or something, yeah. right? Yeah, half half a yeah half a gig i seven, which is still runs a little hot. Like if, you know, if you go for the full horsepower one, that's two grand. Mm. Yeah. So I'd want to start there, and then uh, really, I'm trying to decide what one of my girls is turning into, but I think she might have the engineering disease. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so uh, I've been looking into. There's two things. One. I'll tell you, it's going to be a shameless plug. It's not about the spend. But have you ever heard of Goldie Blocks? Never. 
Oh my gosh, you've got to look into this if you've got daughter, if you've got young daughters. Goldie Blocks is this. Um, it's basically how we get uh, young girls involved in uh, interested in engineering skills. So okay. it's 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 a story. It's a series of books, and you follow along with. Uh, uh, you have to build mechanisms along with Goldie Blocks, the main character. So I would love to get that. They're not that expensive, but I tell you what, if I had five grand, that would certainly be something that would go in there. And then you got to get the Lego Mindstorms, right? So right. Try and figure out how to get Goldie Blocks to play with some Lego Mindstorms. And I think looking at some prices on that, you could probably get pretty happy with Mindstorms and, and with a couple thousand dollars. Oh, there, Lego so. will always take your money, dude. Yeah. No doubt about it. <laughs> and I think that, uh, again, that would certainly prove if I've got an engineer on my hands or not. So, But that's, that's what I would be looking for. Development rig, some Lego Mindstorms, and some serious Goldie Blocks action. Nice. Awesome. Oh, that's great. That's a yeah, cool answer to the question. I'm still getting my head around all the different versions of Dojo here. So what's the nano version for? What 3.8K? So yeah, uh I don't know why you would ever do that. I <laughs> honestly I think you put that on your website because jQuery's got the you know, you can download that in 10K or less or well, I don't know. Right. Uh so the nano version is going to be your your very basic infrastructure for running a, a website. So if you think about what do you use jQuery for, if that's all you need Dojo for, then you can have this this um nano download for that. Right. Um uh, for me, I know there's well, there's three or four different options they offer on their website. I really see two. Uh, the CDN version is great if you if you need a pre-built version of Dojo, so you want it to be you know minified and fast and and download things, but you're not going to be doing a huge amount of custom development. Uh, when we're developing applications, we're typically going against the full source version because that gives you the unit testing framework. That also gives you the build tools uh, because Dojo does use the AMD loader. It's not obvious. A lot of minification tools don't work uh, because Dojo doesn't just load those scripts in the global environment. It has to load them into it using its AMD loader. Okay. Uh, there are tools for doing that now uh, outside of Dojo, I believe. I've never really researched them because Dojo works for me. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so uh, if you're going to do any kind of serious enterprise development and you, and you want to deliver those highly minified compressed files, then then the source version is going to be few. So then you get to talk about how you've got 80 megabytes of JavaScript sitting in your project and justify that to your management about how you're not going to blow up the environment. Well, and, it, and it makes sense to me that you would only, you know, as a performance guy, I look at the cloud-hosted CDN version as that's really useful when you're under load. You've got a high production version and you're not worried about a lot of instrumentation anymore you're worried about staying up and that decreases load on your on your server you don't have to send it anymore it's coming from the google api's uh servers distributed around the world and it's as small as it can be with by while still being the full toolkit exactly and that's what uh if i was going to uh, build an internet facing application right the cd the cdn would be my first choice because why should you load from my server when I, you can load from somebody else's server exactly but yeah. you don't it doesn't sound like you're doing a lot of public facing stuff with this is internal web apps right we, so far we've been it's inside the firewall so we deliver from our headquarters out to our stores right um so yeah it, it's not a huge concern for us the the bigger concern is now you're stuck inside of a firewall. You don't have a CDN. Yeah. So uh, well, there's actually a lot of... You can't get to it. Exactly right. So um, we are concerned about build size simply because we, when you've got, I believe we're in the order of 1,500 stores, and not all of those are blessed with broadband internet connections like <laughs> you and I would define them. So yeah. I think that there's talk about upgrading them, but... At the same time, we've got one connection that, you know, you've got their point of sale systems that are going through that connection. You've got all their analytics are going through that one connection. And now you're starting to deliver these thick client web applications. So it's still better. Thick client web is still better than uh, thick server, I think, because thick server, you have to, everything has to go back to the server to say, to play mother may I, what do I do next, Right. Uh, where the client can make a lot of its own decisions after that initial application load. Does Dojo have any browser compatibility issues that any of these other frameworks don't have? Uh, yeah. Uh, you mean problems that it has? Yeah, issues with certain browsers. Well, 
Uh, IE7 is always a problem, so no, but that that's not but that's unique a, to Dojo. Yeah, it's not unique to Dojo. But And you uh, said IE7, not IE6. Well, we're not supporting IE6. Uh, right. Again, I feel bad for anybody who has to still, but uh, they are committed to it. So they will have some controls, but I have not run into anything that's failed on the browser um, that I would say... I would not expect to fail on in other frameworks. Right. As a matter of fact, it's more the other way around yeah. where uh, you're going to have frameworks. Again, if, if you're trying to build the cutting edge web framework, you're not going to be able to support IE8 or IE7. You're going to have to start cutting those off. And even some of the uh, older versions of Android, I'm noticing that they're not able to support anymore because those right. browsers are, you yeah. know, the new versions of Android are running Chrome. So Right, yeah, because the Android browser is horrible. They yeah, don't, exactly. No other way to describe it. It's just, yeah. Yeah, we use Android tablets in our stores, and uh, there's been numerous times where we have that. Oh my, how are we going to solve that problem? Because the browser just doesn't do it the way the standards say. Right. But uh, I have not run into a, an issue where I thought, you know what, this would work if we were on these this other framework. It's again the, that backward compatibility is one of the core philosophies of Dojo. And uh, I've never seen them violate that where it's not documented. Hey, by the way, this is not going to work on on uh, these browsers. Well, that's good to know. I mean, I, you would say probably you guys would agree with me that IE9 is sort of the baseline where we cut things, you know, where we start, where we support from there on. Yeah, the application that we're, uh, we are just releasing is actually a drawing application on the tablets. So if you're doing a, a web-based drawing application, you're not supporting IE8 anymore. Uh, because you need the canvas element there. Uh, mm -hmm. th at least that's the decision we made. And uh, so, yeah, we're IE9 and above for that. That's just a commitment to HTML5, right? It, it really is, yeah. Um, but uh, IE8 is kind of our standard. But, yeah, IE9 is really where things start to smooth out, and then Android becomes your big issue. So, And so um, it, it sort of gives me the feeling of uh, Kendo UI in terms of you know, from Telerik in terms of making it look like a native app on those particular platforms. Do they have anything that does that in order, uh, like if you hit a web, uh, a mobile web app with uh, iPhone, you know, the list is going to look like an iPhone list? Yeah, actually, when we were deciding on the framework, Kendo UI was one of our big uh, contenders. Mm -hmm. But uh, when we made that decision when I believe their web tools were still non-free. And okay. so we have this rich free kit, and I don't know that we would make the same deci decision today, but Kendo UI is learning a lot of the lessons that Dojo's already learned. Mm -hmm. But if you go into Dojo X, Dojo X has a mobile sub-project. Mm -hmm. um, now, Dojo X used to be experimental. They've rebranded re uh, re that to extensions. So Dojo Mobile is one of the things that when Dojo 2 finally does come along, that is going to be rolled into the core. Uh, or split off as its own supported project. Mm. Uh, Dojo X is kind of going away in the future. But Dojo Mobile is that that native experience on, in a web application. So if you're on Android, if you're on uh, iPhone, they do some support for Windows Phone, but I think that that has not kept up with, like, I've got a Windows Phone 8.1, and uh, the mobile tools are not quite up to their, uh, up to rendering properly on that phone right now. All right, so in these demos that are at demos.dojotoolkit.org slash demos, yep. kind of redundant, but uh, th those will render appropriately in browsers on the mobile phones? Yep, they they very much should. Wow. Uh, I can't say that I don't have an iPhone or an Android phone anymore, so I can't uh, tell you from firsthand experience, but certainly if they don't, then uh, that's something the they are certainly intended to. Well, I'll and I see that. BlackBerry on the list, too. Yep. Well, it's interesting. You probably hit it with one of those tools online that uh, is an iPhone simulator where you plug in the URL you want to go to and it renders it for you. Yeah. yeah. That would certainly be the way that I guess uh, I, since I'm running Chrome, I could probably act like I'm an Android. But uh, mm. so, yeah, it's it's uh, not something we've gotten into uh, in our current use cases, but that is something that I could easily see uh, for as we're starting to build applications specifically for our executive team, mm -hmm. they want to obviously they want to be able to bring their own device and get to whatever the application is on their device. So, 
uh, that I can easily see coming down the road. It Pretty much to date, we've been targeting one or two versions of Android, and it's been completely custom UI. The intention was not to make it look like an Android application. It was a custom-built, custom-designed uh, application. So. so one of these demos is called Mobile Showcase, and uh, that is a good one to test out on your phone. I'm hitting it with my Android phone right now and my Windows phone. It looks a little bit different. Yeah, definitely looks uh, looks good. Is it rendering properly on the Windows phone? Yeah, the uh, definitely. It, it looks good on a Windows phone. Excellent. Yeah, it looks very much like Windows phone... Uh, Windows Phone controls. Very cool. Okay, so there you go. I know that that's a that's an area. Uh, when Dojo One Ten came out, that was uh, the mobile area was one of the areas that's getting a lot of attention right now. There's a lot of growth there. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if you're going to see some pretty amazing things because obviously mobile is consuming the world, right? So that's uh, the Dojo framework is trying to keep up with that too. Yep. Looks great. Well, I like the idea that if you know how to use this on your desktop machine, you'll just be able to move over to the phone as well, not a separate framework. Well, that's the other thing. I'm a .NET guy. Um, I'm not working in a .NET shop right now, but one of the things that I think is really compelling about .NET is you learn C Sharp, and now you can write your desktop applications, you can write your web applications, so it's really one language, and you use it wherever you need to. And exactly, Dojo's the same thing. So I use one framework, and I can build desktop applications, and I can build mobile applications, and I can target whatever the business problem is. So I agree. That is certainly a compelling point to it. I'm not have, going to have to teach a different set of plugins for every different you know, uh, business, uh, for every environment that my applications are going to be running in. If you go to testiphone.com, you can plug in the uh, mobile showcase link right there, and it looks fantastic. Yeah. So it plays ball on the phones. Yep. Why isn't more people using this thing, Michael? This is this. I've never heard of this until you brought it up, and now I'm looking and going, "Wow, this is the framework I've been looking for for my customers." Because it wasn't released 13 months ago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I really do think you know. I, I say that. Um, uh, Sorry, I'm a little snarky, but um, I think that when Dojo first came out, um, a lot of people looked at it, and I think it, I would say it might be a framework before its time. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It, In 2007, we were just not thinking this way. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's very much one of the sponsors of Dojo is IBM, and so mm-hmm. IBM thinks big systems, right? So you're seeing Dojo is envisioning a big system in a browser, right? So... I think there was that. The community just wasn't there yet. JavaScript was supposed to decorate my server pages, right? So uh, it w- then there was also, um, before Dojo moved to AMD, so prior to that, they had a proprietary loader. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, it had, there were a lot of people who had a lot of concerns about performance of the framework. It, right. Uh, but it back is when a there little, was a lot of concerns about the performance of JavaScript. Right. And and if you think about it, uh, the bandwidth we have on our internet connections now, even your phone is higher than what you had in 2007 on your desktop, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think we've seen frameworks have adopted that. You download Ember and that is not a minuscule framework to download into right. your into your environment before you do Hello World. Again, not that's just not a not a knock against Ember. That's just where the environments move to. We we are accepting larger application, larger download packages in our applications. So, but Dojo had was kind of tagged as well. It's a little slow and it's a little big. So now I think that it's one of those things where you have to keep evaluating the technology, and you tend to evaluate the new technology. You don't tend to go back and say, well, how was, you know, you're never going to make a technology decision and say, well, you know, we haven't looked at jQuery for a while. I wonder if that's going to be a good framework for my mobile platform now. No, you're looking forward at what's the new thing that's coming out, right? Right. So I think that's that's actually one of the reasons why uh, I'm glad to have this opportunity to talk to you guys, is I think that Dojo, a lot of people are learning things that dojo is known for a long time and uh mm. i i feel bad when i see posts to say oh my goodness we added this new thing in in version 1.x of our framework and i'm thinking well dojo had it four years ago you know um you know you mentioned carl uh, kendo yeah that team i would not be surprised if they did a deep dive into into dojo because they've got 
data stores that are first-class citizens mm. that they can do binding to charts. It, there's a lot of things in Kendo that, that remind me of these guys really looked at what Dojo was doing and they kind of stole some of those ideas. And that's great. You know, it's open source. We should all grow forward, right? Yeah. So. And I appreciate that it's open source, but this is not like a GitHub project. It seems like these guys predate all of that too. Their, their open source library is run from the Dojo Toolkit site. Uh, yeah, the, well, they recently moved over. Uh, so if you, on, I'm looking right now at the download link, they do have a site on GitHub. Oh, okay. Uh, I think prior to that, they were either self-hosted or they may have been on SourceForge. I don't remember. I don't right. remember I mean, where, that, where you got it before. It hmm. used to be that hosting your own open source was fine. It just it isn't anymore, it seems. Well, yeah, it's just a matter of the, the, the standardization of how you go about accessing and interacting with them that made GitHub re- really great. Yeah. And, and I think that GitHub is where if you want to see the latest bits, um, you're going to see, you're going to find that on GitHub right now. That's certainly where I believe their, their main repositories are at, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> Dojo was before all this stuff. So right. I mean, we didn't, we didn't know. So, uh, uh, and I can't say that I've been there since Ground Zero. I, I came into Dojo right when 1.6 came out. I used it for a little while. I got convinced, you know, that you're typing way too much. You need to be using this jQuery thing. Right. But I, I came back to it because I'm like, you know what? It's just not solving my problem. Hmm. So so the, it, what's interesting, if you go to the uh, API toolkit, which is, at, um, you know, the documentation, dojotoolkit.org slash API, they did a yep. really good job of of using their own tools of dog fooding themselves to give you, to let you browse the API with a tree, a nice tree view. It's just beautiful. Yeah. And, and one uh, neat thing about that site is that's all generated from their inline comments. So if you download the source code, what you're seeing on this API site, if you go into the source, that's where it comes from. So wow. anytime, anytime they update the comments, anytime they update the code, you're going to see that uh, reflected in the documentation. <laughs> now that's brilliant. And that force, yeah, and that forces them to keep their comments up to date, which is right. a really nice thing, right? Comments are the first th- place that goes wrong. So they're yeah. parsing the comments in their code to generate their documentation yes. website. Yes, yeah. I think they've got a PHP tool that does that. I, I don't know exactly. I've never dug into it. It is The tool is in the source download uh, in the utils directory. You you can find it and play around with it. I never have because I just come here. I'm I'm a coward, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but, but they, clearly this, the you know, you found a gem here, Carl. This API uh, document page, yeah. you just have this open all the time. Absolutely. Right? It's this beautiful. is your cut and paste source. And it's and it's really well done and there's a lot not just a lot of data but it's well laid out like it's visually appealing. Yeah. You don't have to I mean it looks like you could zoom in quickly to where you want to find things which you can't say that for documentation especially of web stuff. Documentation <laughs> is very difficult. No, notoriously bad. Notoriously bad. Right. And I and I think that again that's that's an advantage of not necessarily having the not defining velocity in the same way, right? If we define velocity and stability is a, is as important or more important, right. you've got time to document mm. it, right? If your if your framework's going to be, you know, if you're retiring your framework in twelve months and you know that, you got to type really fast. So. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Wow, I could just play around here for hours. One other thing, uh, just before you jump off there, uh, I would recommend anybody who's checking it out, there are two key p- places to go on dojotoolkit.org. Um, you found the API d- documentation, the reference guide. If you're trying to figure out what the heck this thing is used for, mm. that reference guide gives you kind of the the human story, right? It gives you code examples. It's not just an API. So if you want to see how to build a menu with do- with Dojo, then uh, that reference guide is going to walk you through. It's actually got live demos that you can run in there. So you see the code, you see the, what runs from it, and it's all right there in line with the documentation about how is it built, why is it built, what are some of the things you have to keep in mind. Wow. Uh, it also talks about, um, we haven't talked about this so far, but Dojo has a strong commitment to accessibility standards. So any of the uh, anything in Digit will is optimized is from the beginning thought of for uh people with um that are um 
differently abled that have different physical abilities. Mm -hmm. So you see that uh, there's stand there's support for I, I don't know the technologies, but screen readers, right, and uh, high contrast modes in the in the themes are all available right there. Awesome. So it's it's another thing if you're doing government work where that stuff is really important. I don't know if the U.S. government requires it, but there are some governments that require accessibility standards be honored. It's right there. So the, the Dojo Toolkit's ready to support those as well. So we, the most important thing happens. We don't actually have to learn them. We just use a tool that understands them. So when it does become an issue, we're not stuck. Exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> not that I'm cynical or anything. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have a way with words, Mr. Campbell. <laughs> So I can't figure out CSS, but I got bootstrap, so I don't care. Right. Exactly. <laughs> For now. Yeah. Until something goes wrong. Yeah. Then I get a CSS guy who says, oh, bootstrap, I know what's wrong. Yeah. And I, and I like this, you know, if Dojo really grapples with accessibility, then great. I go this path, and if accessibility comes an issue, we've got a way out. Except usually the problem, the answer is, oh, well, the problem is you're using bootstrap. Use this one instead. <laughs> 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 not cynical at not all. Cynical no. at all. <laughs> not cynical I, at all. I know that there's listeners out there who've gone through this over and over and over again. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm impressed. Yeah, I'm impressed too. Uh Mike, is there anything else we should talk about before we before we uh adjourn? Uh no, I'd just say uh if you're a Pluralsight subscriber, keep an eye out for my course. Uh I'm due to deliver it at the end of this year, so hopefully beginning of next year you'll see a Dojo Fundamentals course where I walk through really how to build an application using this and that's pretty much it. Awesome. Fantastic. Mike, thanks very much. This has been great. Hey, thank you guys. All right, and we'll see you next time on .net Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm a, a